Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Before we kick off today's episode of Potterless, just a few quick things. I mentioned this last episode, but I will be performing live with Join the Party in New York City on June 9th. I will be opening up the show, and afterwards, there'll be like a meet and greet session of merchandise. We can talk, hang out, get to know each other, rant about Quidditch, whatever your heart desires. It's going to be a blast. If you want tickets, you can head to bit.ly slash join the party live, and you can snag them before they sell out. Also, I will be a part of Podcast Movement, which is a podcasting convention that is happening in Philadelphia from July 23rd through July 26th. I will be on a panel with some other multitude folks talking about monetizing a podcast. Podcast Movement is definitely a convention that is more geared towards people that create podcasts. So there's going to be a lot of really fun panels there teaching people what you can do and giving various advice. So we'll be teaching you how to monetize your podcast and how to run a successful Patreon and all kind of stuff like that. So I'll be there. The other multitude people will be there. It's going to be a fun time. Also, it is the first episode to be posted in May, meaning that it is charity time. At the time of posting this episode, we have 219 patrons at patreon.com slash potterless, meaning that we will be donating $219 to a charity. And this month's charity is the Moyer Foundation. The Moyer Foundation puts on Camp Erin, which is the largest national bereavement program for youth grieving the death of a significant person in their lives. So basically, it's a camp just to help kids cope with the loss of a loved one. Uh, They have 3,600 campers. They have 54 different camp weekends in 48 different locations. They put on a really great program to kind of help these children cope with a really tough situation that they have going on. The inspiration for this was from listener Angel Zhang, who reached out to me on Instagram to say that unfortunately the Toronto massacre occurred just seconds away from her high school and one of the cafeteria ladies who was a mother lost her life. There was a GoFundMe page set up to help out her son, who was unfortunately orphaned. And the GoFundMe page got double the funding, which was great. So I wanted to try to help out some other kids that didn't necessarily have this going for them. So I went with the Meyer Foundation, which puts on this camp for, you know, kids that could be in a similar situation with lost parents or other important people in their life. So thanks so much, Angel, for this suggestion. And if you guys have any suggestion for a charity, just reach out. You can send an email to podcast at gmail.com. And finally, speaking of awesome things and awesome people, we have new patrons to 
welcome to the team. So, a big warm welcome to our newest patrons, Brandy Everett, Carrie Cotter, Gizem Chakul, Desiree Santiago, Marta Da Costa, Missy Curtis, Emily Irwin, Hannah Floyd, Ainsley, Ann Moss, Annette Newbauer, Ben Rush, Caitlin, Kayla Chapman, Nathaniel Jared Gallardo, Hannah Visser, Iron Power Flash, Hannah Gilhuli, Beth Francis, Andres Martinson, Laura Betts, Pooja, the return of Ajay Narayanan, and a happy birthday to Gabriela Lemos. And a huge shout out to our newest producer level patrons, Anthony Bonarigo, Diego Matienzo, Andrew Clack, Celeste Smith, and Russell Dunk. They join the ranks of our existing amazing producer level patrons, Leanne, Vicky, Aaron, Erica, Calvin, Michael, Sadie, Jesse, Natalie, Deborah, Clow, Alex, Rebecca, Frank, Marchismo, Tori, Samantha, Juan, Sheila, Jenna, Kieran, Louise, Akansha, Rebecca, Abid, Caitlin, Lee, Ayana, Benjamin, Rosemary, Jill, Maria, Maria, Lisa, Jennifer, Ariel, Christina, Romina, Serenity, and Kumail, who never awkwardly get bubblegum stuck onto like their lips or their cheeks when they blow bubbles. If you want to be like these awesome people and get access to bonus content like my notes that I reference, monthly live streams, shirts, stickers, bonus episodes. I've been doing episodes of me playing that new Harry Potter game, and it is frustrating, but interesting and confusing all at the same time. You can go to patreon.com slash Potterless. So without further ado, let's get into episode 41 of Potterless, covering chapters 7 through 9 of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, starring Sarah Shackett and Gabrielle Urbina of Wolf 359. Internet and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man reading Harry Potter for the first time. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that grown man, and we are back with Gabrielle Urbina and Sarah Shackett of Wolf 359 to discuss chapters seven through nine of Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. How are you guys feeling? How are you doing? How's life? Good. I think that these are the best chapters in the entire series, right, Sarah? Ooh. Or the Ooh. worst chapters in the entire series. Well, somewhere between Ooh. these two. Hot they takes. Come, they, 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 they come in somewhere between somewhere, these. Somewhere yeah. in that range. I think that we can safely say that they're between the best and the, and the worst, worst chapters. chapters. I think we solved it. Yeah. Yes. Good. That's, that's a bold claim to make, but I think that we can hold true to it. We'll, we'll have to see how it holds up. That's right. Uh, but yeah, let's get right into the mess. Chapter 7, The Slug Club, which I took an embarrassingly long amount of time to realize what this was referring to. But we'll learn later. To the slugs, the actual slugs, right? Yes, yeah, they, people that really enjoy slugs. Nothing about literal this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's J.K. Rowling, man. You never know. Yeah, you never know. So the kids are getting ready to head back to Hogwarts. Harry tells the squad that he thinks Malfoy has replaced his dad as a Death Eater, which goes along with my theory, which, as I mentioned in the last episode, makes me feel less confident in my theory. He cites the way that he freaked when Madame Malcolm approached his left arm, the way that he intimidated Borgen. All these sort of things point Harry's mind in the direction that Malfoy has taken over as a Death Eater. Ron and Hermione, though, are less convinced, thinking that Voldemort wouldn't take a 16-year-old as a member of the Death Eaters. I love Ron's reaction of just, like, Malfoy? You think that he would let in <laughs> Malfoy? Like, you know, like, independent <laughs> of whether he's a 16-year-old, independent of whether, of anything else. His just, pure blood status, like, just we all know, he's a, we all have the same opinion about Malfoy. He's a gift, yes, come on. Yeah. Voldemort can get better people than Malfoy, God. <laughs> So they they try to guess what the item needing repair is, but they really can't 
think of anything or any sort of guess. And I still can't either, which bugs me. I usually have like some sort of prediction, even if I'm painfully wrong. And I just like can't fathom what it would be that he would have two of that he couldn't be seen with that he yeah. needs fixed. I am really struggling, which makes me excited to figure out what it You're is. You're going to be really crushed when it's actually his new broomsticks. And this is all just, yeah, it's just like to dominate at the Quidditch Cup. It's like a matching set of mugs, like novelty yeah. mugs that say best friends or something and they've broken. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, yeah. how am I going to give them he, to my... He's making yeah, presents for Crab and Goyle. Yes! Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. Finally. <laughs> he got Crab and Goyle matching mugs and they're both broken. They're yeah. both going to get like the number two friend mug. Yeah, right. <laughs> they won't know. Best thugs ever. <laughs> You've contributed so much to this book. Harry is then about to head into the kitchen, but when he does, he passes Ginny in the hallway. And Ginny says to be careful because there is a lot of phlegm in there. And Harry says, oh, I'll try not to slip on it. I think this is the first instance of them having cute, witty banter back and forth. And it is the truest form of love, which is when two people hate the same person and they talk smack about them. I just think it's an adorable moment that they have shared. And this is definitely a clear sign that they are going to get married eventually. I have, I have nothing to argue against that statement. No, I think that we've seen that work oftentimes in fiction and also in real life. Also so, in reality. Oh, for sure. Rock on. So Fleur is going on and on about the wedding plans and Mrs. Weasley springs at the first chance she can get to change a subject when she sees Harry enter the room. She starts talking about them having to get ready to go to King's Cross. Harry asks if Tonks will be there. Molly says no. And then Fleur starts smack-talking Tonks, yeah. which I found interesting. I don't know if Fleur is taking the hint that Molly is trying to get Bill to be with Tonks or if there is a inkling that Bill might like her or something, but Fleur seems somewhat inclined to want to belittle Tonks, which I found interesting. This is also like a moment scientifically designed to be like all of the worst things about Fleur, like yeah, altogether, because this is when she's like, admiring her own reflection in a spoon. Yeah. So she's yep, just going to yep, be like, yep. man, I look good. Unlike that the, woman who's let herself go. Yeah. And it's like, ugh. Yeah, J.K. Rowling's like trying to find ways for people to hate Fleur. And they're like, huh, what if she made fun of one of the most beloved characters? Yeah, that's what we'll do. While also being like, damn, yeah, I look good, son. Yeah, in this spoon. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, and in typical Fleur fashion, I think she's like, not even aware that either of the things she's doing is having any effect on the people around yes. her. Right. But, yeah. Oh boy. It's just she is she's in the wrong house, you guys. Yeah, you you definitely brought this up in the last episode, which was perfect, is that like she's the type of person to not understand that some of the things that she says or does could be like really problematic or, or upsetting to people. Yeah. And she could just be so oblivious that she doesn't realize that when she is saying, oh, Tonks looks rough, that it comes off as really condescending. She might think she's being helpful, which is like the classic, like, super pretty popular girl thing right. where, like, no one has ever stood up to them and told them, like, hey, when you do this, you're actually being a jerk because everyone is just so enamored by their beauty. So it could just be that, is that she's not, like, a biting really mean person she's just crazy oblivious because no one's ever told her otherwise right and even if she is she's still being hurtful yeah totally just not saying nice things yeah. and then also checking herself out in a spoon so <laughs> any reflective surface will do yeah pretty much molly interrupts fleur's tonks ranch she's like okay yeah great uh we gotta go and 
and they just like leave while she's mid-sentence basically. So then you get into just your classic them getting back to King's Cross stuff. We've seen this six times before. But just as Harry is about to get to the train, he asks Arthur and Ron if he can have a word with them to the side. So he tells Arthur where they really went when they said that they were in the back room and Arthur knew that they weren't in the back room and Harry's like, how'd you know? And he's like, you're talking to the man who raised Fred and George. It's like, oh yeah, true, 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 true. true. <laughs> the thousand yard stare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> t- yeah, all of the, you just like flashbacks of all of the things that they've done to him. Just like a montage of Fred and George slowly getting older and just doing prank after prank after prank to him. Harry tells him where they were, tells him what they saw, and the theory that he thinks Malfoy is a Death Eater now. Arthur brings up the same point that Ron and Hermione did, where he's like, I don't think that you-know-who would take a 16-year-old. And Harry yells back, do we really know what Voldemort would and wouldn't do? Which is super valid. Like, it's a a sassy thing, but a really good point. Like, how is anyone a Voldemort expert at all? He's Voldemort. Right. He can do whatever the hell he wants. This dude was killed and clawed his way back to life, which we thought was impossible. Mm -hmm. And he put together this like crazy ritual, which none of us knew was like a thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like put together sort of this like massive network of people without anyone knowing that he was back to life. But aside from those things, we think we've got him on lockdown. We think we understand the psychology of the individual. Right. I mean, I guess he might be working off like what happened the last time and whether there were any Death Eaters who were underage. Yeah. Which it doesn't seem like there were. But that is that is the valid point that Harry's making is is we don't know. And also there's like a, a thing with. Malfoy is is a pureblood. He is one of the most desirable wizards that Voldemort would want. Yeah, sure. And so, like, why wouldn't that person, if they are willing and able to do magic, be included in some capacity? Ah, but we also learn an interesting tidbit here, which is that they raided the Malfoy's house and they declared it free of all suspicious yes. objects. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but Harry thinks that they did a shitty job. Because he under because he had an experience with a diary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry at this point must be like, if I have not done it myself, I do not trust anyone to get anything right. Yeah, ever. he trusts no one. <laughs> So Harry, yeah, Mr. Reese is like, we didn't find anything when they raided their house. And Harry's like, I think you missed something. And then right <laughs> after that, the, the train starts to leave. So he has to go. They get onto the train. Ron and Hermione have to do their prefect stuff. So Harry's like, oh, Ginny, do you want to get a cabin? And then Ginny says, no, I promised Dean I would sit with him. And then Harry has this realization of like, oh, yeah, when we go to school, we don't hang out with Ginny anymore. And he like has this weird realization. <laughs> But I'm sure that'll change once Harry starts dating her. So Harry is trying to struggle to figure out who's going to sit with. And then he sees Neville and Luna, my OTP. I don't know if they get together, but I want it. I want it so badly. Oh, they get together in all our hearts. (sighs) I want it to be the, I want it to be real, but we'll see. This is the shipping book. (laughs) He, uh, He gets into a car with Luna and Neville. Neville says that his grandma is super proud of him, which is great. Luna says that the Quibbler sales have been really good. So the two things that each of these people want most in the world is starting to come true, which is just perfect and warms my heart because they're so great. I just want the best for the both of them. They're 
some of the best characters. Yeah. Apparently, their whole run-in with the Ministry of Magic was all over the papers, and pretty much every student that was there is, like, crazy famous now. Harry, of course, being the most, since he's being widely touted as the chosen one, the boy who lived, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Harry is uncomfortable with this because, like, when he's on the train, like, everyone is staring at him. Like, every single person. And it's, like, reminiscent of the first book, but now it's, like, way worse where, like, everybody is just, like, ogling over Harry. Now in a more positive light because they're, like, he stood up to Voldemort and stuff. Yeah, but also I think that, like, everyone's probably also a bit of a, like, if I touch him, will my life explode? Like, you know, like, if he breathes on me too hard, will, like... You know, Death Eaters right, burst like, out of my trunk. Can I, will the calamity happen while he's in my line of sight? Will, like, the train derail after he turns the corner? Right. Like, bad things follow this guy mm-hmm. around. We are in proximity. What is going to happen? <laughs> that is valid. I I don't think they ever, like, bring this up. But what if people are just like, yo, I don't want to talk to you, Harry. Like, bad shit happens to you. I'm not hanging out with you, man. No disrespect. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm just not taking a risk here. I'm not hanging out with you, man. To his credit, I think that Harry would be like, I kind of get it. Yeah. I wouldn't hang out with me if I could. <laughs> yeah. He'd be like, tro, tro. I and it's get like it. the difference between, like, you're, we're famous as a child actor and now you're showing up for your first day at college versus like you are now showing up for your first day at college and you have been in the news nonstop for the past three months. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like he's earned the hype. It's not this like thing that happened to him when he was a baby. Like he's fresh off it. Right. And it's present in people's minds in a much more urgent way Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. than it was. It's like, Oh yeah, that's that famous kid who that really freaky thing happened to exactly so there are some giggly fourth year girls outside of their car and uh one of them at the uh you know suggestion of the friends enters and is like oh harry you can come sit with us instead of these losers if you want to uh and harry's like they're they're my friends she goes oh and just awkwardly leaves i love how she introduces herself because she's like hi i'm ramilda Ramil the vein, yeah. like you know, she sort of does the like, like you know, know kind of yeah, like, like stage fun. introduction. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, it's like we don't care, Ramil. no one's gonna. You might be a trivia question at a Harry Potter themed bar later. What a Dickensian name, Ramil the vein. Oh yeah, oh. no. It's like she's making it worse for herself. The first name was bad enough. <laughs> yeah. So Luna, at this awkward leaving of Ramilda, says, oh, she expected you to have cooler friends. And then Harry says, no, you are cool. I didn't see her fighting with me at the ministry, and this makes Luna really happy. And it's just like, oh, yes. Thank God Harry is starting to come around and being a better friend to people because just – uh, Luna is cool. I don't understand. I This is, this is very much like a mid-'90s thing where, like, the weird kid is not – like, no one likes the person that is really weird. Whereas, like, if Luna was a present-day student, Luna would be the fucking coolest kid in school by a mile. Everybody would love Luna. Instead, Luna's like, I miss DA meetings. It was like having friends. I know. Uh, heart crumbles. Know. Crumbles into a million pieces. It's amazing how quickly, like, Luna Lovegood became sort of not the heart of the series and, like, its moral heart or, like, the person that you know was articulating something about the books but just like the person i want only good things to happen to <laughs> yep yep and yep. like intensely definitely 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 it's like oh luna yeah. it gets better <laughs> <laughs> stay strong <laughs> never weaken <laughs> oh 
man. You nailed it on the head is that the next thing that happens is Neville and Luna asks, are there going to be more DA meetings this year? And Harry's like, oh, there's no need now that we don't have Umbridge anymore. We have a proper Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Yes. Exactly. Finally. And they're both sad about it because they loved it. And yes, Luna says the quote, it's like having, it's almost like having friends, which Harry describes as the kind of thing that Luna says often that makes you feel pity and it's something it's like the, the type of thing that Luna says that makes you p- feel pity for her and sad like depressed in pity it's uh, right. it was a heartbreaking thing that she says these things often oh yeah Neville says he got a new wand and it was one of the last ones that Ollivander made before he disappeared. And I am super excited for Neville 2.0. Right. With a proper wand. Right. He's got the proper wand. It's something I totally missed until I had Julia on the podcast. Uh, Julia Shafini from Spirits. She brought it up. She was like, yo, you got to realize this entire book series so far, Neville has been using someone else's wand, which you're not supposed to do. And my brain exploded. So I don't know if this is a thing that's going to happen, but I would love to see Neville just become a complete boss hog now that he actually has the proper wand. The way that Ron had sort of like the wand that was like... uh Spell taped tape, back yeah. together. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> That's what Neville's been operating at the entire series. Yep. No wonder the kid's only good at herbology. Yeah. Yeah. There's no wand involved. Yeah. Right. So Ron and Hermione come back in and they say that Malfoy wasn't doing his prefect duties, which is suspect because he loves bullying and Harry thinks what could be more important than bullying people? <laughs> so, <laughs> or Malfoy? Or Malfoy. Almost nothing. Yeah, like something has to be up. Then Harry and Neville receive a invitation from Slughorn to have lunch. And that's where I'm like, oh, Slug Club, right. So Neville is unsure why he got picked and Harry knows why, but he doesn't want to say anything because he doesn't want Neville to freak out because of the whole prophecy thing. Um, Or whether it's a prophecy or not, Neville's parents were were bosses. Exactly, yeah. They're also like the two most like racially pure wizards present, no? Uh, In that cabin, correct? Yes, Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, Harry, not so much because of Lily. Oh, I suppose, yeah. I suppose right. Lily is muggle-born. Yeah. Yeah. Ron technically would have been no, the more wait. blood No, Luna pure. might be. Oh, yeah, we oh, don't know about Luna. Luna. Probably, you, yeah, yeah, yeah Luna, come to think of it. All right, never mind. Anyway. I retract my point. <laughs> well, the thing is, and what we learn in a second, is that Slughorn's big thing is all of the kids in this slug club meeting are people that have relatives that did really well. And he's basically just trying to see if they're cool too. Will lightning strike twice? Right. Yeah. So it's a bunch of people that we don't know. And then Ginny. So it's this Belby, McClagan and Zabini um, who all either have like famous uncles or grandpas or whatever. Slughorn basically just asks all of them about their famous relatives. And one kid like halfway through the guy's like, oh yeah, I'm not that close with my uncle actually. And then Slughorn just stops talking to him and moves on to Zabini. <laughs> like Slughorn has no time for people that aren't close to famous ones. So he then starts talking to Harry about the ministry stuff and surviving the attack and like wants Harry to talk more and more about it. And Zabini scoffs at Harry. And then Ginny, who won't stop dominating this book, <laughs> comes in and says, oh, Zabini, you're only talented at posing because <laughs> they mentioned before that this is like a pretty dude or whatever. Right, and Just, his mom oh my was gosh. very beautiful or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ginny, ugh. Freaking Ginny Weasley, man. So good. It is so good. Dominating is the word. Yeah, she's 
destroying, absolutely destroying. We find out that afterwards, Harry asks Ginny, like, why did Slughorn pick you? And Ginny goes, oh, he saw me hex Zacharias Smith in the hallway of the train because Zacharias wouldn't shut up about asking me what happened in the ministry. So I threw a hex on him and then Slughorn was like, hey, come along with me and my friends. Also, <laughs> moment of silence for like Dean's happiness. He's reunited with uh, his girlfriend after like spending the entire, entire summer, summer away from her. <laughs> And probably, like, within five minutes, a, like, figure of authority is like, I'm just going to borrow her for a moment. Yoink. Uh, Yeah. And then also, I just realized this, but how does Dean Thomas feel when Ginny gets with Harry and then he's like, he spent the whole summer with her. He was in her house every break and summer for a couple years while she was dating me. And then he just, like, has this freak panic attack that, you know, they were seeing each other on the side behind his back. The complex is real. (laughs) Poor Dean. Oh, man. I hope their breakup is at least amicable or something because he seems like a good kid. He does seem like a good kid. Yes. Yeah. Zabini then leaves to go sit with the other Slytherins and Harry's like, oh, gotta go and throws on his <laughs> invisibility cloak to spy on. Oh, look at my wrist. I need to go. <laughs> Hours since Harry has done something stupid. Yep. <laughs> We're going to reset zero. the counter. <laughs> exactly. So he follows behind. Zabini tries to like close the door to the cabin. Harry has to stick his foot in there. Then he has to climb up on a seat and then into the luggage rack the with the invisibility cloak. <laughs> Which I'm just like, I'm sorry, but like, I don't care how invisible you are. You're going to like be imprinting on like seats. But apparently it works. So Malfoy basically asks Zabini to recap the meeting. And Zabini's like, oh, you know, it's just him trying to get famous people, blah, blah, blah. Everybody is on to Slughorn's gimmick. And I feel like everybody knows. It's incredibly transparent. Yeah, yeah. Pansy is in the car as well. And she mentions that a lot of boys like Ginny. And she thinks that Zabini even has a crush on Ginny. But Zabini's like, oh, I don't care what she looks like. I would never touch a blood traitor like her. Right. I don't know. We learned that Zabini is racist. So that's fun. (laughs) Malfoy mentions that he might not be at Hogwarts next year and everyone in the car is like what and he goes i don't know i might move on to bigger and better things which is very suspect pansy asks him is it for him written in italics so that we know it's dumbledore or voldemort he's like i don't know maybe and then at that point they arrive at hogwarts so they're like oh gotta go Goyle tries to grab his trunk, but he, like, drops it, and it clearly, like, hits Harry, but no one notices somehow, which I don't know how that was able to go down. Malfoy says, oh, you guys go ahead. I'm going to hold back for a second. We learn that he has asked everyone to leave because he knows that Harry's in the room. Slays it so cool. So smooth. Obviously, Malfoy sucks, but... His whole move that he does here is actually like really smart and really crafty and really clever because he hits Harry with a Petrificus Totalis when Harry's not paying attention. So he's frozen in place under the invisibility cloak so no one can see him. Mm-hmm. And he starts smack talking. Harry's like, I knew you were there. I saw your sneakers when you were climbing up onto the luggage rack. And then I saw the luggage bounce off of you. And he kicks Harry in the face and breaks his nose. He like curb stomps Harry in the face. Yeah. Ugh. And then before he leaves, he says, I reckon they won't find you until the train is back to London. And then he leaves and that's the end of the chapter. It's like his own little like red wedding moment of like my father sends his regards. Crunch. (laughs) Yup. Exactly. Like I was happy for Malfoy just in the sense that 
so far, he's just been a garbage bully. Harry always has better insults and comebacks for him. No, but him. this is really well executed. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really well done and pretty smart. Everything's coming up Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of chapter seven. We get into chapter eight now. Victorious Snape. What, what? And we start upon Harry in a situation where he is screwed. He can't move. There's nothing he can do. He can't talk. He can't Accio his wand or anything. He is just frozen. Uh, the train is about to leave. Like he hears the locomotive start to gear up. But then Tonks enters and Tonks saves the day. Thank goodness for Tonks. And of course, she enters with a watcher, Harry, as she does a kickflip and then, you know, <laughs> flips her hat around and blows a vape out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Takes off her Rayman shades. Right, right, right. I gotcha. I've never asked for fan art before, but if someone wants to make this version of Tonks, I want. Like, I want cool kid 90s teen Tonks. It's the only thing I've ever wanted. Oh, man. She'd pull it off. So they have to jump off the train. So they jump off the train, and she fixes Harry's nose with Episky, which is a spell that's never existed before. She then casts a Patronus into the sky, and Harry's like, what? Was that a Patronus? And she's like, yeah, it's a signal to let you know that you're okay. Otherwise, people would be concerned. And then Harry asks her, how did you know that I was going to be on the train? How the hell would you have known that? And Tonks says that she knew to look because she hadn't seen Harry leave the train, and she knew that he had that invisibility cloak, so she was, you know, poking around in all of the cars to see where he was. This is a good fucking horror. Yeah. So yep. thorough. Really So good. like on top of it. Mm -hmm. She is good at her job. Speaking of her being an horror, she mentions that she has now been stationed at Hogsmeade, which feels like that's the best place to get stationed. Like that'd be like being a cop and they're like, oh yeah, you got to look over Universal Studios right. and Disney World right. is your precinct. Be like, oh sick. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go make sure no one's on Space Mountain. Right. Uh, if that's like, got to make sure there's no bad guys on the ride, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry notices that she just seems generally much more serious than normal. Tonks before was this lighthearted, pink-haired, changing her appearance all the time, you know, joking around type person. And now she's just like really somber and grounded. And Harry can't help but realize that this has to be because of the Department of Mysteries situation, which sucks. I feel so bad for Tonks. She's also like, oh, oh I guess I'll send the Patronus. Expecto Patronus. Yeah. And Harry's like, that is one dour looking Patronus, my friend. Mm -hmm. Like, that is like real underwhelming. Yeah, you're not having some real happiness. So they try to go into the castle, but it's locked because it's been so long since everyone got off the train. They locked the gates. And Harry starts suggesting a bunch of magic things that they could do to get in. And Tonks has to keep shooting them down because Hogwarts has defense against people trying to sneak into the school, which is what they're trying to do. So not going to work. And the Harry's like, well, looks like we're just going to have to camp out here for the night and wait till morning, which is like, no, Harry, you're going to you're going to find a way. And they do find that way and they see someone approaching them and Harry's like, oh, thank gosh. I don't think I'd ever be happy to see Filch in my life, but I'll put up with him berating me the whole way. Plot twist. It's Snape. Blah, blah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so apparently Snape saw the Patronus, even though that Tonks did it in hopes that Hagrid would see it. But Snape mentions that Hagrid, like Harry, was late to the beginning of the ceremonies. Everybody's fucking up left and right. Yeah. Right. But this is just like on brand for Hagrid since he missed like a good chunk of the semester in the last book. That's true. So it's kind of just like his thing. He has at many, this point. many side projects, does Hagrid. Yeah. <laughs> he does. So Snape says, Was that your new Patronus? It's weak looking. I preferred the old one, which makes me ask a few questions. First off, you can change a Patronus? And then second off, why would you change a Patronus? Yeah. And third, like, how would you change your Patronus? Because I didn't know that it was something you defined. I didn't know that it was something that changed. I feel like I heard, they mention in the books that, like, when you when you marry someone that you, like, sometimes the partners switch Patronuses or something. But I didn't know you could just, like, willingly change them. I hope they explain this later because I was very confused by this. Um, quick powwow for a second, Sarah. Yeah. Because... I don't think that this has actually gone into like much detail, and I sort of want to just be like, my understanding of it is this. It's not like a huge plot twist at some point where they like go into a lot of detail about this, right? I I mean, there is a thing that you and I know that Mike does not at this moment. My okay, but... I will lay out my guess. My guess is that she is like adapting Sirius's old Patronus in his honor, and she's just like not that good at it but that's and the it's only not thing. like fully formed yeah that is my only guess and but, they don't even say what animal it is they just say it's four-legged yeah yeah but my sort of understanding is that you don't change the patronus your patronus changes yes like, it's not you know, a conscious oh, thing and i think yeah a way to right, think about you are right, it you might are right. be to think about it sort of in terms of the other changes that are happening to tonks right now like the mm-hmm. fact that she can't metamorphosize yeah there's this weird relationship that wizards have with magic where like when you are taking on deep emotions or doing something out of deep emotion it sort of changes the magic that you do yeah Um, okay so maybe the death of Sirius just like unwillingly changed her Patronus like she didn't have a say in the matter it just happened yeah I don't yeah okay I don't think it's a thing you can consciously do which makes our friend Severus like even more of a dick such a dick yeah Yeah. he's not kind of being like he knows that thing that you chose I don't like it it's kind of being like yeah kind of just like this thing that you are. Yeah. You know, I, these priorities yeah. that you have and these things that you're feeling, they're wrong. They're wrong. Go back. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, so gross. Bag. Yeah. Snape is the worst. He's so bad. He's also coming I know out that swinging. He, I know that he like turns okay by the end of this one and like blah, 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 but like, uh, he sucks so much and he should have been fired 12 times. Yes. <laughs> I don't think you'll find any argument on whether he should not right. be fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. He should absolutely <laughs> have been fired a long time ago. Long, long ago. Yeah. So speaking of doing stuff that ought to get him fired, he starts just docking points left and right for Harry for being late, something that was kind of out of his control. Takes 50 points away for being late, 20 points away for not having his robes on. Uh, out of uniform. They yeah. go into the castle, and then Harry gets back with the squad. They freak out because he has blood all over his face, and they eventually... <laughs> uh, they like clean they clean up his face and he's like, Does my nose look okay? And they're like, Yeah, sure. Why wouldn't your nose look okay? And he's like, Oh, well, uh, no, 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 nothing. No, uh, nope. Great Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then Hermione's like, uh, what happened? He's like, Oh, we gotta go see Dumbledore's speech. <laughs> so they they mentioned to him that he missed the sorting ceremony. And he's like, Oh, what did I miss? And they're like, ah, same old, same old. The sorting hat sang about how we need to unite again. And then they also mention that Hagrid wasn't there. So again, we're learning that Hagrid has been late, but we don't know why. 
they also say, oh, Snape, Snape wasn't there either. Have you seen Snape? And then Harry doesn't tell them the full thing. He just says, oh yeah, I bumped into him. Undersell of the century for Harry here. Because <laughs> <laughs> gotta look cool. Amazing restraint for Harry, right. all things considered. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a restraint or just him like trying to hide the embarrassment, but it's the Poor same thing Harry pulled when... Uh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he I don't have the energy. Uh, I can't just, even. Right I can't now. deal with this. <laughs> I right can't now. even. It's the same thing that Harry pulled when uh, when Dumbledore during the apology chapters in the fifth book was like, "I heard that you were upset that I haven't been paying much attention to you." And then Harry's like, "Yeah, I wondered," which is like, "No, Harry, you were freaking out for seventy five percent of the book about Dumbledore not looking you in the eye. Don't you dare say, yeah, I wondered,' yeah. under your breath." So uh, they go to see Dumbledore's speech and he does this beginning welcoming thing. Everyone is freaked out by Dumbledore's weird burnt hand, but Dumbledore's like, oh, don't worry about it. No big deal. And his first announcement is that plot twist. Slughorn is the potions teacher and Snape is the defense against the dark arts teacher, which I totally fell for. I for sure thought Slughorn was going to be the Dada prof, but nope. The pattern is so strong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so set there. Yeah. Like, wow. I I fell for this hook, line, and sinker the first time I read this. Absolutely. It is really well done by Jake. It's such an exciting move. You sort of think you're smart and it's like, oh, it's the seventh book where Snape is going to be. (laughs) Like they're going to wait and finally he'll get it. Nope. No, they hit you with it right here. Crazy. And Harry has an amazing quote right after this where he goes, well, there's one good thing. Harry said savagely, he'll be gone by the end of the year. Accurate use of the word savage. (laughs) (laughs) Dumbledore finally addresses the elephant in the room, which is Voldemort. Basically, he says, look, we put up a bunch of defenses in addition to our normal counter curses and such at the school. But you guys got to keep your guard up. If you see anything weird, tell your teachers and get some rest. So everybody, let's just go to sleep, get some rest. As they're leaving, Ron kind of takes Harry aside and is like, yo, what happened to your nose? And Harry tells him. And then Ron doesn't laugh or give him any grief for Malfoy beating him up, which Harry takes as a sign of his true friendship is that Ron didn't give him any shit. Hashtag bros, bros, bros. Yeah. <laughs> true. So then Harry says something and says Voldemort by name. And then Hagrid butts in and goes, I wish you would stop using his full name. So we know Hagrid's back, which is cool. He asks Harry why he was late and then Harry replies why were you late and then Hagrid says it's because he was having quote a good chat with Grop which Ron and Harry significantly <laughs> doubt <laughs> yeah the, 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 this is like classic like ah I see very good then <laughs> so again Hagrid starts to call Buckbeak Buckbeak. He goes, oh, and I was also tending to Buck Witherwings. One day Classic, Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, it's a great bit that I hope this happens throughout the entirety of the book because it's a it's a bit I will never grow weary of. It's just Hagrid being the least subtle person ever is so good, and I will always welcome it. No, it only gets more endearing each time. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. So Ron and Harry at this point then have the same sinking realization is that the two of them, as well as Hermione, is not going to be taking the Care of Magical Creatures course for their next two years, which is sad because they're the three that care the most and try the most and like the class the most, but they just don't like the subject enough to do a newt in it. And they just have this sinking feeling in the pit of their stomach. And that's the end of chapter eight, mm-hmm. <laughs> ending on a fun little high note. Hey, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors who make this show possible. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, Neville Longbottom is someone who likes to collect cards. He likes to collect the chocolate frog cards. And it's got to be a frustrating experience for him to be ripping open all these chocolate frog things, hoping for particular cards. What if there was slightly less randomness in the mix? What if he had a better sense of what cards he could get? Ooh, that sounds like something that could intrigue you if you were trying to get muggle versions of trading cards and stuff. And if that's interesting to you, you should check out Arena Club. Arena Club is a website and service where you can do all sorts of things in the world of trading cards, whether that is sports trading cards or Pokemon cards, you can utilize Arena Club and they have so many cool things. One of the coolest things that they have is slab packs. Slab packs give you more transparency when it comes into ripping open packs and hoping for particular cards in a pull. And I recently opened up a slab pack with Arena Club and it was nice because rather than it just be like this complete black box of I have no idea what cards I'm going to get, they show you a list of, oh, here are the different cards that you could get from this pack. Here's the percentages. And then what's also nice about it is that if you don't like whatever card you get, you can just sell it right on back to Arena Club and then boom, you can take those funds and use them to get other cards because they also have a full marketplace where you can search for individual cards. I did that as well. I wanted to get a particular Pokemon card. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu. It's holographic. It's beautiful. I'm looking at it right now and it's proudly in my studio. Arena Club is a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, display, minting, all sorts of good stuff. If you are involved or interested in any sort of card collecting, trading cards, stuff like that, I think think Arena Club will be right up your alley. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash potterless. Wow, that's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack, for example. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So check that out if you want to have a little less randomness in your life, whether it is with muggle trading cards or chocolate frog cards like Neville today. Then we get into chapter nine, which holy crap is called the Half-Blood Prince. Delivering early. Yo, we usually do not get, I'm trying to think of like all the title reveals. Goblet of Fire was like right away. Goblet of Fire was early. Yeah. I guess Order of the Phoenix was also early. Order of the Phoenix was like chapter five was called Order of the Phoenix. So I guess we've had a couple, I guess technically like the past three books, we've learned the title right away. Whereas. No, Prisoner of Azkaban was pretty. Later. Yeah. Oh, that's. Well, Prisoner, you, the plot twist is that the Prisoner of Azkaban is actually like a nice person. Right. That's what yeah. this plot twist I'm guessing is too, because as we'll get over the course of this chapter, you're kind of led to believe that the Half-Blood Prince is going to be 
Voldemort. Mm. But in my brain and my prediction is that it's Snape because there's really only three people it's going to be of the people that are half-blood that would be a prince. It's either got to be Harry, Snape, or Voldemort. And the book wouldn't be called Harry Potter and the Harry Potter. And it, <laughs> it, like, and it also wouldn't be Harry Potter and the bad guy. So I think it's got to be Snape. <laughs> so we'll see. I'm just saying, I'm just going to say, so far the book has put a lot of emphasis on the disappeared ice cream maker. Oh, Harry has been ooh, upset. Ooh. Right. So, Mentioned you know. specifically. Yes. Keep. Yeah. He was a prince of a man. It's true. Those free ice creams. <laughs> there are two more candidates, one of which, Ice Cream Guy. Second, my favorite character, Ludo Bagnon. Oh, yes. Never can't rule out Ludo never, Bagnon Never, Ludo. Never count him out. <laughs> uh, I was so convinced he was the bad guy in the fort. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Someone on Twitter today called that the iconic moment of Potterless, which I think is really true. Like, it really is like the trademark quintessential element of me being wrong about stuff. With that said, I do think that that's what Ludo Bagman is there to do, though. To sure, like, that's sort his of function. Like, oh, he's yeah. the entire, the whole thing, I uh, I mean, I've gotten into this so much, we don't need to talk about it, but like, <laughs> he was such a subtle red herring and Barty Crouch Sr. was the more obvious red herring right. that I was like, right. oh, okay. Barty Crouch Sr. is the real red herring. Ludo Bagman is the actual bad guy. And Barty Crouch Jr. is dead. Right. So I didn't think it would be him because it was established. No, that's that's he's a Sherlock dead. Jones kind of move. You just don't have all of the information. Right. Yeah. It's, like, it's, you know, it's, it's the it, dumbest plot twist. I don't think that sort of like it's a quote unquote fair mystery. No, oh, not at all. Everything as read. Mm -hmm. You do not have the information available to solve the mystery. Yeah, you would have to be like, okay, I know they said this one guy was dead, but what if his right. mother used polyjuice potion, traded, like, <laughs> there's no way to predict it at all. So I feel less bad about not knowing, uh, but I do laugh at myself for how seriously I fell for that red herring. The commitment was admirable. And that's what matters in the end, that you do it with enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, if you're, it's like I do a lot of improv comedy, and the big thing they say is like, if you're going to fail, fail big. That's right. And oh boy, right. did I. <laughs> so chapter nine, the Half-Blood Prince. So they tell Hermione about the train stuff. Ron is thinking that it has to be just Malfoy showing off for Pansy. He can't actually be a Death Eater. So this confirms that <laughs> he's definitely <laughs> right, a Death right, Eater. Right, right. Ron is always wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now a fact. <laughs> Because Ron is like, when Ron takes a heavy stance on something, he's wrong. But when he flippantly says, oh, what if it's this? Then he's right. So he is very much like, there's no way. So it's definitely Malfoy's a Death Eater. Hermione isn't so sure. Ron then changes the subject to being excited about being a sixth year because you have so much free time built into the schedule. And Hermione's like, that's not free time. It's time that you're supposed to study for your newts. And Ron's like, ah, whatever. I'll do it later. Which, mm, beautiful. <laughs> Gotta love Ron. What is not to love? <laughs> they're so perfect for each other. Ron oh, and Hermione yeah. are a match made in heaven. While they're talking, they see a kid walk by with a fanged frisbee, which is banned from the school. So Hermione uses her prefect abilities to take it away from him. And then Ron's like, oh, sweet. I've always wanted one of these. And then he, <laughs> he starts playing with it, which I think is so funny. Just like blatant corruption. Yeah, yeah total, total corruption. <laughs> but I mean, objectively, the fanged frisbee 
sounds pretty cool. Like imagine a frisbee that like snarls and stuff. That sounds hype. Uh, I would love it. I'm like, that shit's so dangerous. <laughs> oh, terrifying. That would actually Absolutely make terrifying. like ultimate frisbee really interesting to watch though. Yeah, word. It would make it ultimate. Yes, it would finally <laughs> live up to its name. <laughs> it would finally live up to its name. I, yeah, I've played ultimate frisbee in college and stuff. I really like it. And it's one of those things where I understand people watching it like not looking as impressive. I'm trying to compare it to another sport. It's almost like watching golf where when you watch a professional play golf, you're like, oh yeah, they hit the ball or whatever. But if you like actually try to play golf, like, oh my, everything is so hard in golf. Yeah. You're hitting a tiny ball 540 yards into a three inch cup and not hitting sand, trees, water, and animals. Like It's tricky. But when you watch it on TV, it's like, eh. So I can understand. But yeah, ultimate Frisbee with a fanged Frisbee. Let's go. That sounds hype. <laughs> they talk to Hermione about the Haggard conversation. And then the three of them have an even more serious downer is that no one from their year is going to take care of magical creatures as a newt because those three were the only people that liked the class in general. Nobody else liked it. So no one is going to like it enough to take it as a newt. So I guess Hagrid's just not going to teach sixth years which is kind of awkward, and they are scared for Hagrid, so it sucks because he's so just good. Feeling, um, feeling guilty. Yeah. That's rough, but you yeah. got to do what you got to do. Yeah. It's just not the most, I don't know, what career path are you going to take? It, it just it makes sense that they don't want to study it, but it just sucks for Hagrid because he's so good. They're going to have to tear off that Band-Aid sooner uh, or later. Yeah, eventually. Mm -hmm. Like, you know. And it just speaks to, like, they're having this quandary because he's their friend before yes. he's their teacher. Exactly. Which if he was their teacher, maybe they would take class. I don't know. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. They only care because he's their friend. Yeah. It really, at the end of the day, just seems like a subject issue more than anything. It's not like they disliked the lessons or anything about it. It's just the subject is not what they need to do the jobs they want to do. Totally. Absolutely. Speaking of these classes and stuff, McGonagall is now helping all the Gryffindors pick classes. Hermione is basically auto-confirmed for every class she wants to take because she got O's and everything except for Defense Against the Dark Arts. Then we get on to Neville, who really wants to take Transfiguration, but he only got an acceptable on his owl. McGonagall says, why do you even want to take Transfiguration? You've never really shown any interest in it. Neville reveals that he only wants to take it because his grandma wants him to. And McGonagall goes, look, tell your gran that she needs to love the grandson that she has and not the one that she wants, which is a really great sentiment. McGonagall is perfect. I want to see spinoff stuff that is only about McGonagall. Best person ever. Oh. Right? Right? McGonagall spinoff book, please. Or please. McGonagall... <gasps> Second buddy cop movie, McGonagall and Ginny. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> It'd be so good. They just sass everyone. She says, hey, what about charms? You have an E in charms. And Neville replies, Grant says that charms is a soft option. And then, whoo, McGonagall says, take charms, and I shall drop Augusta a line that just because she failed her charms, OWL, doesn't mean that the subject is worthless. Oh. Like, oh, oh. oh. Oh my goodness. My I know. Best person or best person. <laughs> right? She's, oh my God. She's so good. She's so good. I love it. Because she is the most caring, but also the most sassy. It's, in, it's absolutely incredible. She then moves on to Harry. 
And she asks Harry, why don't you want to take potions? And he goes, oh, I needed an O in potions, like you said last year, and I only got an E, so I figured I couldn't take it. And she goes, no, 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 no. And here's the technicality I discussed in last episode. No, 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 no. That was when Snape was the teacher. But now Slughorn is the teacher, and he'll gladly accept students that took an E on their OWLs. And, like, let's be honest, he would have taken Harry if he got a damn T in potions. Like, he wants... Wants Harry right. on his little slug squad. We'll, we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see the potential. Yeah. So this is the big old technicality that I knew was going to happen. Oh, it's here. It's here. <laughs> but yes. Before we move on from this, one of my favorite things is McGonagall's kind of very subtle, but definitely there sort of like shows of affection for her students. Mm-hmm. I love the little moment when it's just like a sentence, but she sort of tells him like, I was very happy with your right. mark. On transfiguration. transfiguration. Yeah. Oh, you know, yes. Just sort of like yeah, kind of going it was like, good. I appreciated like the work that you put in and I appreciated sort of like, you know, that you actually did well on that. Well done. Um, right. Which I think and for McGonagall yes. must feel like a congressional medal no, of honor. it's Miles <laughs> because this is, this is as much as you ever get from her. Yeah. But like a well done Potter. She, but she, she is really caring. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's really good. She's, she's amazing. And, with each book that passes, we just learn more and more why she is, you know, the vice headmaster or assistant headmaster, assistant headmistress Deputy or whatever her, her title yeah. is. Yeah. And we understand why she is held in such high regard and why Dumbledore likes her so much and everything. She's she's just great. She's stern when she needs to be. She's hard when she needs to be. She is sassy when it calls for it. But then she has the times when, like, she gives Harry cookies and stuff. Like, she can be that nurturing mother figure when the situation calls for it. Like, she just did to Neville, you know, trying to coach him up to be confident in himself. And then also to Harry, just being like, hey, good job. So she's... Uh, she's so good. She's so good. We then learn a little bit about how the Quidditch team works. Good thing we're learning this in book six. So <laughs> apparently the standard for Quidditch is that the team is just wiped and you have to retry out every year, which is like not usually how high school sports works. This is also like we've never seen Harry trying out we for that not. secret position yeah. year after right? year. Right, exactly. After year, so. This is something another gripe I have with Quidditch is that like every book a new thing is added. Is it his team to organize? I don't know if like the the Oliver Wood administration was a set thing and then like the Harry Potter Quidditch team can work differently. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I it's one thing I uh, have a big gripe with for Quidditch in the books is that it's just it's she set up the sport poorly and then in every book tries to add stuff to fix it. But you're right. We never Harry never had to retry out for the team. And they never mentioned it. So I don't know. I think it's just her trying to like add a technicality just so that we can get the scene, which I'm sure will inevitably happen where Ron tries out for the team and, oh, he's good at being a goalie now. So I don't know. I think it was weird and silly, but what we get is Harry having a conversation with Katie Bell, the only seventh year that's still on the team, the only person that was on that original team he joined as a first year. And she says something about tryouts and he goes, oh, you don't need to try out. And she goes, uh, 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 what if there's someone better than me? Captains can't be playing old faces or letting in their friends, dot, 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 like while Ron is in the room. Hint, hint, hint. (laughs) Which, unfortunate, but valid. Ron's just like, I'm going to go play with my friend Frisbee. I don't want to be a part of this conversation. (laughs) I think the best thing for everyone concerned is for me to just be somewhere else. Ron out. 
<laughs> so Hermione enters and says that she's got hella homework from her runes class, and then they go into Defense Against the Dark Arts, taught by Snape. Snape makes the place look really moody, dimly lit. There's posters everywhere of people in pain. Best motivational posters yeah, ever. <laughs> and he delivers this monologue that clearly he's been practicing every year for 16 years, hoping to get this job. <laughs> just says it tonight before he goes to bed. <laughs> <laughs> He's like too into the dark arts. He goes on this big thing where like, oh, the dark arts are so powerful and they're beautiful and you have to be so concerned and diligent, blah, blah, blah. And it's pretty off-putting for the squad. So he finishes this monologue and Snape says that their first lesson is going to be about nonverbal spells, which is sweet and something I'm really interested in. He says that you have to be very powerful to do it. Quote, it is a question of concentration and mind power, which some stares at Harry lack, <laughs> which ugh. Snape will not let this grudge die ever. Oh, yeah. No, that grudge will the bloom for the turn. <laughs> yeah. So he has the students break off into pairs, trying to jinx slash defend both non-verbally. And this seems like a really bad idea. I don't get why they're not doing, they should start with just doing non-verbal hexes against a dummy, kind of like how Harry had them do in the DA meetings, which makes me think, hot take, is Harry a better teacher than Snape? He arguably is a better professor than someone with 16 years experience. I would say that it depends on what the like parameters that you're judging are. And if you say some parameters, Harry is 100% a better teacher than Snape. Uh -huh. And if you say other parameters, Snape. Snape is a better teacher mm -hmm. than Harry. Sure. Yeah. And I think like they they have very different end goals. Objectives. And uh, yes, yeah. objectives, thank you. That's the word. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he doesn't even like Moody demonstrated things before they start. Mm -hmm. Snape is just like line up. Yeah. yeah. Get going. Get cracking. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it is funny that the very next line, Harry realizes, oh, I've taught half this class the shield charm in DA meetings, which is great. Harry's like, wait a second, I've already taught this class. Ron is struggling and he's paired off with Harry. Snape butts in and goes, let me show you. And then hits Harry with a jinx really quickly, which takes Harry such by such surprise that he just reflexively goes Protego and blocks it, which knocks Snape off his feet. Snape scolds him. He goes, did you not hear the part where I said non-verbal? And Harry goes, yes, I heard and it. And then. Yup, yup. He goes, Harry, Harry says, yes. And then Snape says, yes, sir, correcting him. And then Harry goes, no need oh. to call me sir, professor. Oh. <laughs> like rat horns rain from the sky and descend upon the classroom. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. Uh, Snape immediately. Um, yeah, exactly. Worth it is true because Snape immediately replies, detention. <laughs> but so, so worth it. So worth it. Snape's like, I won't be taking lip from anyone, not even the chosen one. But oh, so worth it. After the class, Ron is hyped. Ron's like, that was awesome, Harry. <laughs> Ultimate bro. <laughs> Hermione less enthused. Harry is definitely off put by how much of a boner Snape has for the dark arts. And Hermione says, oh, it actually reminded me of the way that you talked about fighting Voldemort in the 
Dumbledore's army meetings. And Harry has this weird thing where this makes him upset, but then he's equally happy at the fact that Hermione is comparing his words about guts and instinct to the same level as stuff that she read in a textbook. So he's like kind of mad, but then also equally happy. So he's just like off put and then doesn't react. Not sort of cancels out. And he's just sort of in like a sort of static mode of, yeah. I don't know what this emotion is that I'm feeling. I'm going to decide it's hunger. Yeah, let's let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's go on. with hunger. Yep, that's, yeah, always a good emotion. So then Jack Sloper comes in, that guy who was a trash beater from the year before. Or is it is it a, is it the bludger, is it the bludger, the ball, or the person? I always the forget. The bludger, bludger is, is the ball. ball. The, the bludger is the ball, is the, the beater is the person. The okay, he's the trash beater from last year. And he's like, oh, Harry, I've got a letter from you. By the way, what are the tryouts going to be? And Harry's like, oh, I don't know. And then Jack is like, oh, okay, I was hoping it would be this weekend and harry just leaves mid-sentence to read this parchment just doesn't give a crap about jack sloper harry is definitely having like a wee bit of a superiority complex by this point in the series certainly certainly he's got no time for people that are not good at quidditch yeah he unrolls the scroll and it's from dumbledore and it is asking Harry to have their first private lesson. And at the very end, it says, P.S. I like acid pops, meaning that this is the password. And this is still the dumbest security system ever, is that <laughs> he's got a rotating password of desserts slash candies slash treats. And there's no limit to how many times you can guess the password. Because what, what book was it? It was either what, one of the books Harry just starts spewing all of the candies until he lands on cockroach clusters. Like, there's no limit. But, like, even Harry's, like, mildly horrified. He's like, yeah. that worked? Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> but, like, you can imagine that some if someone finds this out, it doesn't matter that Dumbledore changes the password every however many days. You could just walk up and just take a deep breath and be like, <gasps> Cockroach clusters, lemon drops, acid pops, like just start right. listing every candy that you can get at Honeydukes, and you'll eventually get in. Just like brute force it that way. And then it finally lands on like, which is still my favorite, the mints that floss your teeth. I think that's the most useful candy. Because so then you could just I, I right, you could just want that so much, like yeah. I get that it's kind of a dumb answer, but like it's definitely the best candy to have. It's like, oh, I'm on a date. Let me pop this in. My breath's gonna smell good and nothing's gonna be in between my teeth. Tight. Right. And Ron asks, like, acid pops? And then Harry's like, oh, that's his password. So, like, now more people <laughs> now know about the password. The yeah. Like, come on, Harry, get it together. Dumbledore clearly wanted this to be somewhat of a secret by writing, P.S., I like acid pops, and not just writing, by the way, say acid pops to my gargoyle. Uh, Harry's just got no subtlety. Yeah. Mm. It gets even funnier, I think, if you just, like, imagine Harry being one of those people that has no volume control. Right. <laughs> like, just kind of, like, acid going down these, like, probably super echoey, like, castle yes. hallways. Yeah, for High sure. Ceilings. That's the password. <laughs> Malfoy ear perks up. <laughs> we also learned that it is conveniently timed to be at the same exact time slot as Snape's detention, so Harry can't go to Snape's detention anymore. Womp womp. So then, <laughs> then they go to potions class. The potions class is made up of four Slytherins, one of which is Malfoy, four Ravenclaws, the, the squad, and then Ernie McMillan. And Ernie has slowly gotten better over the course of the books. He started off as like, you know, snooty little Hufflepuff that like didn't believe Harry when it came to, I believe, the stuff in the second book. But now Ernie is a full-on bro. He um, goes up to Harry 
talking about the Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson. He goes, uh, Snape teaching us shield trumps is kind of lame for us people that have already learned it, right? Which is like, oh, so good. And it's kind of like nice and civil to Ron and Hermione too. Yeah. yeah. Like, how are you guys doing? How have you been? It's nice to sort of get a little bit of like inner house right. civility as the book goes forward. Only from a Hufflepuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like the sentiment of the Dumbledore's army squad still being close friends, even yeah. though they're not meeting. Like, I like them kind of having their own clique because that's an amazing group of people. Yeah. So Slughorn then enters and shows them some advanced potions that they will be able to make by the end of the class. Veritaserum, Polyjuice Potion, and Amortentia, or Amortentia, which is a love potion that gives you not true love, but obsessive love. He asks Hermione, because she correctly gets all of these right, of course, when he asks what they are, he asks her if she's related to some famous wizard that has a hyphenated name where one of them is Granger, and she says, no, I'm Muggleborn, and at that point he realizes, oh ho, this is the person that you told me about, right, Harry? The person that's our year and is the best in the school? And then he gives Hermione 20 points to Gryffindor for getting all these questions right. Hermione is flattered. Absolutely flattered that Harry called her the best in the year. And Ron, in classic Ron getting jealous uh. of anyone doing anything to Hermione form, which is so good, goes, oh, pff, what? It's what? What's a big deal? It's just a true statement. I would have said the same thing if I was asked. You are the best in the class. I don't get what the big deal is. Harry's just I like telling the, the truth. Yeah. Right? Except I've never said that before. Right. <laughs> well, but it's so, oh, I love it. I love when Ron does this. He did this a bunch of times with Victor Crumb, and it's so good. I'm so excited for when Ron and Hermione finally get together because it's just so perfect. Ron is just like that classic, like, I could do that if I wanted to. Yep. yep. I just don't want to die. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A thousand percent. No, he's just he's just unaware until there's a threat. Mm-hmm. And then. And then he's on it. Yeah, he totally is. There's one more potion on Slughorn's desk that he didn't mention. And Ernie points it out. And Harry, narrator Harry, is super convinced that Slughorn did this on purpose for dramatic effect. It's like, there's no way that he didn't mean for this to happen. And we learn that it is Felix Felices, which is liquid luck. Uh, It's literally a potion that just makes you luckier over a certain period of time. So Terry Boot asks why people don't take it all the time. Slughorn says that it will make you reckless. And what Slughorn has done is has set up a contest where they are going to use their textbooks, which describes how to make it. And whoever makes it the best will get this tiny bottle of it that will give the drinker 12 hours of good luck. But they're making another potion. Um, or they're sorry, no, they're not. Right. You're kidding. They're, yeah, um, you're right. They're making dra- draft, draft of living death. Yes. Which yeah. they don't explain what that does, and it's got a really intense name. Do you guys know what Draft of Living Death does? I like to think that it's the potion that uh, Juliet takes in Romeo and Juliet, where uh-huh. she's just like out. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that could. Yeah, I don't actually know what it does, but that could be it. I'm afraid to Google it in case it's used later in the series, uh, and then it'll like tell me a spoiler. But that's what they have to make. And Harry, since he didn't get a book or him and Ron both didn't get books because they thought that they didn't qualify for the newt level of potions. They have to use old books. And at first, Harry hates his book because the person that had before wrote a bunch of notes on the margins and like the book's really old and it's like creased out and it's like hard to read some of the stuff because it's been worn through so much. Let's appreciate all the like 
chess piece movements that yes. Rowling did just to get him this book. Like, yep. sort of like all the shoe leather of like, oh, I can't take the class. Oh, wait, I can take the class, but I didn't get books. Oh, it's okay. You can have this old book all just to get us here. Mm-hmm. It is very well crafted. It's really good. I don't know if she like knew it back in the fifth book was like, your grades aren't good enough for this class. I don't know if she knew it then or if she put it together in between five and six, but no matter what it is, super crafty, really well done stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, he hates this book until he starts to see what some of these notes say. The first one mentions that instead of cutting up a shriveled bean, you should bash it with the end of your silver knife. You'll get more juice out of it. So while Harry's doing this, he overhears Malfoy trying to get Slughorn to love him by referring to his grandpa like, oh, you knew my grandpa, right, Slughorn? And Slughorn's like not impressed at all, which Harry takes delight in. And then he's doing this. And then there is another note saying that the book tells you to spin it clockwise. But the note says, no, it's better if you do it counterclockwise, which how the hell does that make a difference I get that it's magic. I know that we're talking about magic And here. it's just obnoxiously precise, too, because I think it's like you turn it seven spins clockwise and then one spin counter or something. It's like, how? It's, it's something really specific. How much time did you have on your hands to figure that out? Right. One. Mm-hmm. Two, like, how does, like, sort of the movement or the motion Every affect? Every seventh counterclockwise yeah. turn, that's what it is, yes. Oh, it's <laughs> so... It's so precise. Right. And I guess it's the idea of like whoever had this book just understood the principles of alchemy or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. To that degree. Sure. Harry does this and Hermione starts to notice this. She's like, how are you doing this? And Harry's like, I don't know. Because (laughs) Harry starts to become pink, which is the correct color. Hermione's is this shade of purple, which is close, but not exactly right. So they get to the grading portion. Ron straight up looks like tar, so not going to win. Ernie's is navy blue, not going to win. Hermione's is close. It gets, quote, a nod of approval from Slughorn, but Harry's is spot on. Slughorn has an ear-to-ear grin, says that he's the winner, and says, quote, it's like Harry has the same abilities for potion as his mother, and this is my thought where I think, oh my God, it's her book. I am not correct, or at least I don't (laughs) think I am. Ron is very impressed. Hermione is kind of grumpy, which definitely is mostly with the fact that she followed it exactly by the book and still lost. Like, it's definitely a little twinge of jealousy mixed in there. And while they're having this discussion, Ginny overhears Harry mentioning that he was listening to things written in the book. And Ginny's like, You're not listening to things written in old books, are you? It's so good. And then Harry's like, oh, come on. It's not Riddle's diary or anything. Which, again, witty banter between them. Loving it. Hermione then snags the book away from Harry and then hits it with a spell that is supposed to check for magic. And then nothing happens. And Harry's like, ha, I told you. Like, stop hating. (laughs) And then they leave. And Harry grabs the book and looks at the back. And the back of the book says... This book is the property of the Half-Blood Prince. And I am convinced here that it's got to be Snape's because they are kind of setting it up like it's going to be Voldemort's. So my thought, it's Snape's book. And that is the end of chapter nine and also this episode of Potterless. So what do you guys think about these three chapters? Oh, I think that we're off to a swimming start with the semester. We've already got Mm -hmm. some Malfoy intrigue. We've already got some Snape intrigue. 
We've got Hermione pissed off that, like, in her eyes, Harry is cheating in this contest. Can we just (laughs) say that? Put upon Hermione. Whenever Hermione is annoyed or, like, a sort of minorly outraged, it's the funniest thing in the world. It is. Oh, it's so good. The worst brings out the best in her. It's true. Yes. Yeah. No, these are good. It's You're right. You mentioned this for the previous episode as well, but, like, usually these chapters are the ones I hate the most. Mm -hmm. Like, I really usually dislike the pre-Hogwarts chapters and then the very beginning at Hogwarts chapters just because it got so repetitive. It was like, we get on the train. Malfoy makes fun of them. They get to the feast they eat food they say hi to Hagrid everything's fine and dandy Dumbledore makes a speech it's slightly ominous then they start classes classes suck right and it got very formulaic but now this whole book has kind of like twisted the beginning to the book on its head and I really like it because we are nine chapters in and you're right there's so many things that we got to worry about like what the hell's Malfoy doing what the who the hell's the half-blood prince what's Slughorn's deal what's going on with Dumbledore's hand that he has won't tell us about why is talk so sad? We're like not even a fifth of the way through the book. And there's so many things that have happened. And I'll say it's this nuts. much. It's I think great. that this is a more engaging potions class than anything that we ever had Absolutely. in five years of Snape. So true. Because Snape was just objectively a really bad professor because he would just like put stuff on the board and then make fun of people. Right. And just yell at Harry and stuff. Where like Slughorn seems like at least he's spicing things up. There was a contest. contest. He made these potions that people have no idea how to make. It seems interesting. So you're right. It's it's definitely the best potions class we've ever had. And it's the first one. So it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But man, thank you guys so much. Oh, anytime. Uh, I know you talked about Wolf 359 last time. What are you like? What's what's the plan now that the show wrapped? <laughs> like, what are you guys up to? We, Is there going to uh, be spinoffy stuff? Or are you working on new podcasts? We're like, catching what's the up deal? on sleep. Yes. And, nice. Um, okay. Valid, valid, valid. No, I think that the answer to that right now is that we are pursuing a couple of different projects, and some of them are podcasts. Cool. Some of them are definitely not podcasts. Fun. Right now, it's a lot of things that are kind of in development, and kind of we're trying to get them off the ground, and the ground is holding on tight for most of them. (laughs) Bit sticky. But we're trying to see if we can achieve liftoff, and as soon as we got something in the air... Uh, we'll yell it from the rooftops. Awesome. But for now, we're back in the lab. We're throwing chemicals together and seeing what... Turning you know, potions counterclockwise. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are right now kind of in the trial and error part where we're like trying different combinations yeah. of clockwise and counterclockwise stirring. Uh, as soon as something turns bright pink, we'll let the world know. Awesome. Well, yeah. Well, until then, everyone listening, if you haven't listened to Wolf 359, get at it because it is amazing and very well written. And these two wrote and directed some phenomenal stuff. So oh, thank, thank you guys so again much. so much for joining. And listeners, thank you, for, thank you for listening. No problem. Happy to have you guys. Glad we could make this happen. And until next time, as they say at the beginning of every class in Hogwarts, Wizard on. Nice. Amazing. Uh, let's close the file without saving Sarah. That's yes. what we should do, right? <laughs> Are you all caught up on Potterless and you want to hear my voice in more ways? Well, you can go to our collaborations tab on PotterlessPodcast.com and see other podcasts that I've guest starred on. Our website also has all sorts of information about the podcast, such as featured articles and an about page and lists of all the charities that we've supported. So again, PotterlessPodcast.com. Potterless is created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert, as well as Leanne Davis, Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Erica and Calvin Bauer, Michael Vanderslay, Sadie Bear, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Deborah Will- 
Wilkins, Klauser, Lopu, Alex, Stark, Rebecca, Adam, Frank, Chiotto, Marchismo, Tori, Larsic, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfelio, Sheila, Vidya, Nothan, Jenna, Dowsett, Kieran Webb, Luis, Nusak, Akanksha, Saxena, Rebecca, Vinsnes, Abid, Ahmed, Caitlin, Jordan, Pontolo, Lee, Xiaoru, Ayana, Chalewa, Benjamin, Bridges, Rosemary, Dodge, Jill, Boulay, Maria, Lisa, Sikin, Maria, Paulson, Jennifer, Inglis, Ariel, Bird, Christina, Emerson, Romina, Riva, Danira, Serenity, Kumail, Doc, Anthony, Bonarigo, Diego, Matienzo, Andrew, Clark, Celeste, Smith, and Russell, Dunk, web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Kapamanes. Thank you guys so much for listening. Paros can be found on any of your preferred podcasting apps, including Spotify. Just search for Paros. You can find us at twitter.com slash Pod, facebook.com slash or instagram.com slash podcast. And until next time, as they say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, wizard on! Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.